autumn is in the air. Time for back-to-school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy. Want better ingredients without breaking the bank? With Florida Crystals, you get all the goodness of top-quality sugars at a price that feels right. Made from organic sugarcane that we sustainably grow on our family-owned farms right here in the U.S. Florida Crystals Organic Raw Cane Sugars are kind to you, the planet, and your wallet. Whether your next recipe calls for light brown, powdered, or organic raw cane sugar, there's a Florida Crystals sugar for every baking occasion. That's honest-to-goodness sugar. Do you think you've had it rough? Do you think that your life has been really difficult? I think it's interesting, our perspectives on what is tough and what is really tough. Often we're just caught in our own bubble and we don't get a chance to see how bad things really can be. Today's guest is Courtney Wisely. Courtney has an amazing story, very difficult story. She truly started at the bottom and was really given no chance for becoming successful based off of what you're about to hear. But it should inspire you. It should make you think very differently about the struggles that you may be having on a day-to-day basis. So I invite you, I encourage you, I expect you to check out this episode and learn, and grow, and laugh, and be thankful for what you have. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Wisely. We are on. Courtney, it is a pleasure to meet you finally. Thanks, you too, Darian. (laughs) (laughs) I came across your story, and uh, it sounds really amazing, uh, life-changing, life-altering. And I just thought that my audience would really enjoy hearing about kind of the downs of life that you've had and, and how you've, you know, come out of that and become successful and, and just open up about it. So let's get this thing rolling. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where would you like me to start, I guess? <laughs> I want to start at the beginning, like, just where are you from? How did you get into the situations you felt you got into? And just we'll just start with that, you know, kind of ease into it that way. Sure. Um, well, I'm from the middle of nowhere from a, you know, one of your, your typical trailer park in the middle of Illinois. And wow. <laughs> surrounded by um, a lot of people with really narrow visions, closed minded and, you know, mm-hmm. just no ambition. <laughs> so Right, right, right. That's what I was raised around. And we moved a lot. I moved some, I, there was, I counted up one time, it was something like 32 or 33 homes growing up. Um, never had like a, just a stable childhood at all. I went to, I think it was 10 different schools and, you know, I was always the new kid every year. I was never treated well by any of my peers. I was always bullied and I was the dork in the back of the class that would be reading books all the time. And I just didn't, didn't have a lot of friends. So 
Um, I came out of my shell a little bit whenever I got to high school and I joined theater. And so that was kind of where I found my passion was like, I don't know if you know anything about theater kids, but they're very dorky and weird. So <laughs> I know a lot about it. Actually, my brother, he he avoided being a theater kid in high school, but like it was like innately in him. And then in college, he was a collegiate athlete. He was a college football player, but he gave it up. He's a big, strong guy to be an actor in college and stuff. So it was weird, but I, I totally get it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's in high school, it's definitely a lot of misfits and a lot of people that are just trying to find their, their place. Like so. theater nerds. I remember it in high exactly, school. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I fit in really well there, and that's kind of where I came out of my shell a little bit. But there was a lot of, you know, just a lot of, of history and past situations that kind of had me just really doubting myself, my abilities, and I was really self-conscious and, you know, a lot of people are in high school. So that's normal, but I had, I definitely had some pretty big setbacks. Um, I don't know how, like, do you want me to like share like the setback? Like, yeah, definitely. We're kind of disturbing a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I don't know how much of my podcast you've listened to, if any at all, but there's a lot of disturbing stuff that's been shared. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I found the point is that people want to know. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, if it helps somebody realize their potential and realize that they're, you know, they can do anything and it doesn't matter what your past is, then I'd be happy to share. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I was on the path of everybody else in my life where I was just going to be struggling paycheck to paycheck. And the reason was because I didn't understand what was possible in the world. I thought I was painted into this little box like everybody else was because I was taught growing up that that's what you do. I remember being in high school, I literally remember my mom sitting down to teach me how to pay bills. And she was like, okay, so the water bill doesn't get shut off until you're this far behind. The electric Ooh. bill doesn't get, yeah. And she would, that's how she taught me to handle money was only pay enough to not get shut off. Like, oh it was, my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. So, and like at the time I didn't realize that was weird until now as an adult, but like, but that, that stayed with me for quite a while. And, um, I went through a lot of struggles. I was, um, when I was, <laughs> so I had my, my father that I, that I grew up with my father, my sister's dad, he was uh, an alcoholic. He was very abusive to my mom. So they got divorced when I was little. Um, and then he was just kind of in and out of our lives out of, in and out of rehab, all of that. But then I found out when I was 14 that he had been killed by his own dog. So that hmm. was insane. Yeah, <laughs> that is insane deal with that. Um, and my family, uh, actually had lied to me and told me that he was uh, died in a car accident. And then I found out it was a dog attack. It was the whole thing. Yeah. And then when I was 18, I actually found out that that wasn't my real dad and that my real dad was in prison for horrific murders. Yeah. And so I don't, yeah. So he was not, a, not a good guy. Um, but me being naive and me never having a father figure or anything like that, he, um, Whenever he got out of prison, he actually came and found me and he was like, you know, and I thought, you know, you're naive and gullible when you're 21. And I thought he said, you know, I've changed and I, you know, all of the things that you would say to somebody, of course. And I believed him and I let him into my life. And then he got married and I really fell in love with his new wife named Dawn. And then he killed her, too. So then I had to deal with that. <laughs> so. Oof. That was a little, yeah, that was a lot. Um, this might be the most intense yeah. one, honestly. <laughs> how do you, how do you, you know, I, I want to keep going, obviously, but 
I feel a, I feel an interjection here. Sure. Um, because I think kind of it's one thing to hear all that stuff. It's another thing to know how you were feeling during that time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when your dad comes back in your life, finding out that he's not your biological father, the man that you grew up with, what was that like in your mind? Um, I was when I found out that his family wasn't my real family, I was actually really relieved because they had never treated me kindly. Okay. And it made me understand why, because they all knew. I see. I was actually kind of relieved that I could kind of cut that out of my life, all the negativity. And then, but you know, finding out that my sister wasn't really my full sister, like that was a whole other thing. And then, yeah, but you know, it was, it was what it was. I kind of wish my mom would have told me when, Randy died that that wasn't my real dad because I was you know distraught about that but still hadn't told me and for good reason obviously my real father's psycho so yeah I mean and then you find out about your Mm -hmm. biological father and what was that like once you find out about him and that his criminal history yeah um I met with his I contacted his his mother and because I just wanted answers I wanted to know who he was what he was like And I met with her and she showed me photo albums and pictures. And I was like, this is crazy because we looked so much alike and it was just weird, you know. And but then, of course, I find out he was adopted. So I actually don't know who my real family is on his side. Oh, my Uh, goodness. Yeah. So which (laughs) brings me to another thing. I actually did Ancestry.com and found out I had a sister from. (laughs) Yeah. You're one of those people who are like, whoa, you're just finding out stuff left and right. Lots of skeletons coming out of lots of closets. So did you visit your dad in prison at all? Or was it like, no, no, no. He was, um, he was in Chicago and I was in, uh, I live in close to St. Louis. So it was like a six hour drive. So no, I never, I didn't even know if I wanted to contact him, but his mom that I had visited, she was like, do you mind if I tell him? And I was like, sure. And then he sent me a letter from prison that was like 30 pages long. So holy cow. Yeah. Well, what else are you going to do in prison, I guess? But Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of time, I guess, you know. Exactly. So, wow. Yeah, it was definitely a disturbing relationship, the short-lived one that we had. Um, it was it was, it was, was one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm glad I found out who you are as a person so that I know not to ever be near you. <laughs> so then he murdered his wife yeah, after so, that? Yep. I uh, lost my stepmom, Dawn, and um, it was – I had already cut contact off with him a couple months before that, but she had sent me a message and her friends had sent me a message saying like that she was scared for her life. And then if anything happened, look to Chris and all of this. So yeah, so that was not fun to deal with, but you can't change people and who they are and only God can judge. And that's kind of how yeah. I live my life. So, you know, it is what it is. And we have to just, li- I don't let the stuff in my past cause it's just all so crazy. I just don't let that rule my future like at all. So yeah. You know, I just, it is what it is. There was a point where I was homeless in my truck when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter when I was 21. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. You know, you're just throwing stuff out here. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm like, right there's, right. there's stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens, yeah. you know, the, the, the kind of the nitty grittiness. So yeah. let's back up. So when um, that murder happened, how old were you with, um, you know, your stepmom? Um, that was after I had my daughter. So I was so after, so yeah. trying to get this timeline straight here. Sorry, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So the timeline is that 
I was 21 whenever I got a divorce. I got married when I was 18 to try to get away. Stupid. <laughs> okay. so, so you just felt like this was your ticket to get out. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was extremely, extremely mentally abusive. And so I, I was there for three years until I finally had had enough. He had locked me in the laundry room and I was like, okay, that's, that's the last. That's yeah, probably it. Yeah. Yeah. I left and I left and I had nowhere to go and I tried to go home and that didn't work out because my mom was wanting me to pay rent and it was a whole yeah. thing. Um, so I ended up just living in my truck for a while and I was, it was like the worst. It was such a horrible vehicle that I got a ticket for driving it. Wait a minute. Just they like. They literally pulled me over and they were like, this is a hazard to be on the road. <laughs> you are not, you cannot drive this truck. And I'm like, it's fine. It goes from point A to point B. Just it works. Real slow. <laughs> it goes real slow. Yeah, but it was bad. It was like a 91 Ford Explorer. The inside of the doors were ripped out. There was wires yeah. hanging out. It was bad. But um, what yeah. was your mind state during this time? I mean, you and your sure. daughter, you said? During just... I was pregnant. I was pregnant. You were pregnant. Mm -hmm. What was that first? I, I asked this for a lot of people because I end up talking to people a lot like you. Maybe this may be the most extreme I've heard, but... What was that first day like when you were just out there on your own? You're pregnant, you're living in your car, you're trying to survive. What was going through your mind? As funny as it is, you would think it would be like, I'm terrified, like, where am I going to, whatever. But all I could think was like, I'm free. <laughs> Man, you were like, it was so shitty where I was before. Yeah, like, was, this is way better. It was so much better. I was on my own. I wasn't, you know, under the thumb of my ex-husband. I wasn't under the thumb of my crazy mother like it was just I was done and I just thought you know what this is the lowest point that it's ever going to be in my life because I've never been into drugs or anything like that so yeah. I, I knew that that wasn't a path I would ever go down so I'm like this is going to be my rock bottom right here mm. so it was almost exciting because I knew that exciting. if I can through this I can do anything all right people so are you guys getting upset about your latte order and other bullshit like that you need to listen to this man your life's fine you know, <laughs> like, this is like real problems, man. <laughs> like, it's true. And you know what? That's a lot of how I've become so successful is because I have no fear, none. And that is, how would you? I, I don't, because it's like, what's the worst that can happen? I've already lived the worst that can happen. So, and I'm fine. So I could lose everything tomorrow and I would know exactly how to rebuild. And so that's why yeah. I, nothing that scares me. Yeah. You know, people like yourself, you're 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 the most you're the survivors. You're the people like, you know, I've been at the bottom. I know what it's like to you know, people say, Oh, I've had nothing before. I'm like, Yeah, okay. Like you, you, you haven't really had nothing. Eating ramen noodles is not having nothing. Yeah, okay? okay, you know, exactly. Like it's no big that's not a big deal, you know. That was like middle class in my mind. I thought <laughs> that, that was middle class. You know, like, we're moving on up to ramen noodles here, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, all these flavors and choices, yeah. Wow, look at this. The miso flavor, you know, we got, we got the chicken flavor. <laughs> so you, this was an opportunity almost for you. A, this was like freedom for you, in a it, sense. It was. And I can't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, I went from that to like success in 24 months or anything like that. Yeah. Like I went after, because I was young, I was only 21. Yeah. So I went through all, in my mind, my, my ceiling that I was trying to get to was just get a great job that pays me well. And in my mind, well was like 30 grand a year. Yeah. 
yeah. that's what my definition of success was at the time. Yeah, of course. I'd ever known, you know? Um, so that was what I did. I started, I worked my butt off. I never didn't have a job. And I was the uh, district, I moved up to be the district manager of Coldstone Creamery. I ran all the Coldstones in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. And then moved on from there, became a property manager of a apartment complex. And then I, I realized I had always had that kind of entrepreneurial bug. Mm-hmm. You know, I would flip stuff on, get stuff from yard sales and flip it on eBay and do the whole, yeah. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to figure it out. I don't know what it's going to be, but I knew it was going to be something, something. (laughs) Yeah. So during this time though, like when you're, it's funny, I feel like you're telling me stuff. I'm like, man, that's just so much more. I got to go back to this. I'm like, there's a lot of color and a lot of the struggle, you know, there's a lot of like, I think what happens sometimes when people tell their story, this is amazing, by the way, amazing is uh, because it's your story. Yeah. You know, you you know the everyday. Maybe the everyday is like, oh yeah, I woke up, it wasn't great, or I was, you know, try to get a job today. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, they need that that color to the story. They need to like, what was it like? It was like, what were your thoughts? You know, when you're just sitting there in the car and you're laying at night and you're pregnant and you're looking up at the stars, you know, or it's cold outside. You know, like what was that first job hunt like? Like what did you do? Like how did you find your first job? And were people did people know you were homeless during that time? Um no. No, I don't think I ever told anybody actually. Um and it wasn't it wasn't like too long. It was only like, you know, six weeks or so. It wasn't like yeah. a crazy long time. But um no, I don't think I ever told anybody at that point in my life. Like now I have, you know, I've talked about it, but yeah. I got hired at eight months pregnant from Coldstone or for Coldstone. Okay. I remember okay. thinking this is like my last. I remember being just. God, I haven't thought about that in so long. <laughs> that makes me cry. That's what I'm saying. Like this is, this is the stuff. This is a lot of people have cried on my show. Believe me, because it's it's one thing to tell it, and they go, yeah, I got this job. I moved up and do that. It's another thing for the actual meat on the bone that, and you got that and you're crying is you, and all of a sudden you remember, you went back to that time. And what were you, what were you saying? Like you got that and you thought what? I just, I remember sitting there and just begging her to give me a chance because I was like, mm. I, I know I'm eight months pregnant and I know I have to leave in a month, but please, I promise I'll be back. Like, let me train, let me do this. And that was for a job making eight bucks an hour, you know, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that was like everything to me. So, and she did, she gave me a chance and she's one of my favorite people in the entire world now. <laughs> oh my gosh. What yeah. a, I don't even know this person, but what a person Yeah. that believed in you. She did. At that time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, in front of you, you can see the big belly bump. And maybe she could see your, your, your. I don't want to say desperation, but your, your desire, your need to move out of what you were doing. I think she knew that I would do anything to make it work, and I think she saw that that determination in me, and uh, and she was right. I mean, <laughs> she was right, and I, I gave it everything yeah. I had, 150%. I was scooping ice cream until the day I had my daughter. <laughs> it's <was> like, but, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what was life like once you had your daughter? It was tough. I mean, then, right? I, then I was a single mom and then it was, 
I, you know, I remember, gosh, I remember um, I was on WIC. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's like the women and fit yeah. meal mm-hmm. plan thing. And they give you coupons for formula. And I remember one month I lost the whole book of coupons for formula and they mm-hmm. don't replace them. They refuse. Oh. Oh. And so I was terrified. I was like, I am not going to be able to feed my child. Like I was freaking out. And this lady at the WIC office like overheard me and then she followed me out to the parking lot and she bought me all this formula and I was just like so I will never forget wow. that lady. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's truly amazing. So you were like I can imagine I used to go to Cold Stone Creamery a lot when I lived in Las Vegas. Oh, I well, was thinking for tips like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I bet you were, man. <laughs> and I loved going there and I was just thinking you know, I can imagine meeting you there. You you seem like you were like hustling. You yeah. were, you had a smile on your face probably. You were working it, you know. Constantly. I never, I wanted every single person in there to make sure like that they had an amazing experience and that they left us the best tip possible because we split those at the end of the night and that was how I fed my yeah. kids. <laughs> so it was, wow. You know. I mean, I want, I, my favorite thing was that cookie, don't you want some, man. I tell you, <laughs> I can make that right now. I know exactly how to make oh, it. Oh, man. I haven't had that in a long time. <sighs> but uh, wow, I can imagine. So take me through. So you're doing a great job, sounds like. You're really pushing it. Does your boss notice this in you? Yeah, I mean, she. it was a franchise. So unfortunately, they can't pay like crazy amounts for management or anything. Sure. But I'm, I moved up to manager pretty quick. And I managed for five years. And I ended up running like, three or four of them. And so, you know, but it's still at the, at the peak of my pay, I was still only making 10 50 an hour. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, at, at some point, I think I was like 26, something like that. Whenever it got to the point where I was like, I, I got to make more than 10 50 an hour now. Like I can't, yeah. and I loved my job there, but I just, you know, you get older and your bills kind of raise and <laughs> Yes. The kids want more things that are more expensive and, you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I finally, um, I had to leave, but. So you moved on then to where, where'd you go? So, well, I actually moved on to a different cold stone. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was a horrible experience. It was no. A, yeah. It was a different franchise owner and she was, she recruited me. She came in and stole me basically. Uh. And. She said, I will pay you, I think I made 14 bucks an hour. And I was like, mm-hmm. sold. And so, you know, and I, of course I talked to Karen and Judy first and they were like, we can't pay you that. Like, we totally love you. We don't want you to leave, but we can't afford it. And I'm like, I understand. So it was a good ending. We're still friends to this day. But I, I ended up at this other cold stone with this lady that was crazy. She was like, she was bouncing people's paychecks. She was like stealing oh money gosh. and funneling it to all of her other businesses. Like she was nuts. So she's shut down now. But that was not a good experience. And so I left there pretty, I think I was there only there for like six months. And then I moved on to, um, I was, uh, I've had so many jobs during and I don't even remember. <laughs> I've always had at least two jobs. I was flipping bacon at Waffle House. I was cur- yeah. a courier. I was doing insurance door to door. I was doing everything. Yeah. Everything good just to have, you know, a, just to have a roof over my kid's head. So yeah. I missed a lot when she was little. I missed a lot. So your daughter was like in daycare or somebody was watching her? Um, My mom and I ended up um, mending fences. And so she moved in with me and she watched my daughter. And 
um, you know, it, it was one of those things where I'm glad Kalen was watched by somebody in the family, but it also really sucked because I missed a lot. <laughs> yeah. How did that mending happen? Like, what was that like? Once I realized my real dad was psychotic and I understood why she kept him from me and why, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think just a lot of acceptance. Like I realized that my mom is not, she's never going to be the warm, fuzzy, I love you kind of mom. Yep. And I just kind of had to get over that. So kind of made me a little tougher. And so now I'm trying to make sure I'm warm and fuzzy to my kids. Cause I want <laughs> My wife has experienced the same thing. I don't. She knows all about my podcast. She doesn't mind when I talk about this stuff, but I think she experienced that. She didn't have a very warm and fuzzy experience, and um, that's. I think it's tough sometimes. Mothers, you're kind of. I think kids look for that. They look for a mothering, nurturing thing, and not every woman is like that. No. You know, they're not. It's sometimes put on women that they have to be like that. And some are just not like that. Yeah. You know. So yeah. it's interesting that you were able to kind of say, okay, I just going to accept you for who you are, you know, but then you're going to do different on your own deal, you know? Yes. I mean, it's definitely disappointing whenever you realize that you can't change somebody, but it's also more, it's a learning experience. Yeah. So you and your mom mended fences and you're working, I mean, you're working 8 million jobs mm-hmm. at this point, you know? Yep. What 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 else was going on in your life at this time? Like, what were you were you reflecting upon where you've been and where you are currently at, or you're just like no survival mode still? Yes. Boom boom. Super. I was purely survival. I was working like 80 hours a week. I was just hmm. exhausted. I mean, I was literally just waking up, working from like 4:30 a.m. There was a big part of my life where I was cleaning for a cleaning service and I would get there at 4 30 in the morning and then I would get done at 3 p.m. and then I would go work at Cold Stone from 4 p.m. to midnight and then I would come home and try to do stuff for eBay from midnight to 3 a.m. I mean it was just whoa yeah it was bad it was that's no sleeping around that schedule right there not sleep at all yeah wow but I survived yeah (laughs) it's amazing what humans will do when they they need to do things like somebody, I think your story, a lot of people identify with it, but I think some people, I think they'll have no clue what to do with you. They'll go, I, I can't even imagine. That seems like hell to me. You know, like. It was hell. Yeah. Like, you don't have a choice. Right. You just do it. Yeah. I mean, what, what was I going to do? Lose my daughter? Like, no. Exactly. Not an option. So you just figure it out. Welcome to the intermission of Dr. D's social network. I'm sure like most human beings, there have been times in your life when the struggle has been overwhelming. To be human means that there will be struggle. There will be time where there's suffering, where the mountain seems incredibly high. You can't see over it. My guest today, Courtney Wisely, her story has been incredible and it certainly affected me. To hear about someone overcoming so many incredible odds and having a great attitude. Where have you fallen lately? How tough has it been for you? Do you see the light? It's out there. Continue to push for the life that you want. 
for the meaning that you want. It's available. Enjoy the second half of my conversation with Courtney Wisely. People rise to the occasion sometimes when they're painted into a picture, a corner, I mean, you know, and sounds like you were like, you were in the corner for a while. Oh yeah, years, years, because I didn't realize that there was life beyond struggle. That's mm. all I know. You know? Mm. That's not so serious line you just threw down there. I didn't realize there was life beyond struggle. <laughs> Do you think that a lot of people are experiencing that in your mind? You look at your story, you think, man, there's probably a lot of me out there. I do. Especially, I mean, that's kind of the area I live in, you know, and there's a lot of people that they don't even understand what's possible in the world. And they're, they're so, they're, it's like they live in a little bubble mm-hmm. and they don't see outside of it and they only see what their eyes have been open to. And once they actually like pop the bubble and just start expanding their knowledge and it's all about self-education. I mean, the more you learn, the more you build on your, on your, what's possible in the world, your thoughts get bigger and your visions get bigger. And then you start realizing like, why would I ever live life like that? You know, it's it's crazy. Do you know a lot of people growing up that like, they just basically succumb to the situation they were in. They just never got your mindset. You know, it seems like it's a lot of people in that situation just never get there. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot, my family, my sister, I mean, I'm like the black sheep. My family, none of them understand me at all. They just in, in what way? They, well, just from like what I do now. Like, I, okay, so here this is funny. I went to a family reunion about three months ago, and it was the first time I'd been with my whole family, like all the grandkids, all the nieces and nephews, in like 15 years. Okay, they were all sure, and this rumor was flying around that Courtney is part of a pyramid scheme. That's what they thought I did. Oh, okay. They just thought I was successful because I was in a pyramid. <laughs> I'm like, no, I actually built and created my own companies. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's not at all what I do. But they, to them, it's impossible to think that someone from our background could be successful on their own. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So they did, was there resentment about your success or just like, we just don't get this? Probably. I mean, none of them really talked to me like and when they did, it was very judgy. And I was just like, I don't understand why you're being like this. But okay, I don't know. It was none of the people in my family are really they're very narrow minded, closed minded people. So it's, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) It was difficult coming from that environment to have an open mind. You know, I mean, I think that's there's no there's no uh, gosh, I don't want to say this, that that mentality is not. A, a certain class or race of people or anything. It's just like if you grow up in a very um, negative or lower socioeconomic environments, you know, yeah. and you're only exposed to certain things, you can't expect somebody to really have this like worldview on things, you know. And then often what happens when people become very successful, it's very easy to be judge, judgy and and go, you know, I don't like you because you be, you did something I couldn't do. Yeah. jealousy is real in that for sure and I as much as I want to you know and of course I've done what a lot of entrepreneurs do where when we get a little bit successful what do we try to do we try to save everybody around us 
Mm. And we pull in our friends and we try to pull in our family that they don't quite get it. But, you know, if you just give them the chance that maybe they will rise to the occasion and that, you know, and, you know, it's it's that sucks whenever those go bad. (laughs) Tell me about that. So once you got, you know, became a little more successful, you immediately started doing that or was it kind of a slow process for you? Bringing people on? Yeah, that, you know, like, oh, I want to help people and maybe people who are, you know, I know are less fortunate. I want to help them become successful. Yeah, I mean, I've done it to pretty much everybody that I care about. Um, A lot of them just didn't work out just because they didn't have the work ethic. And that's Mm. kind of, it just sucks whenever you're like, but you're so smart. Like, I can see your potential, but they just don't want to (laughs) work. It's like, got to do the work. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. So we had somebody like that on our team for a little bit, but it was uh, two people, three people three people that we had to kind of cut ties with not friendship ties luckily that it was still ended on good terms but it just is a bummer because whenever you are successful you just want to be successful with all the people you love and yeah it sucks because you just want them to love things as much as you do and you want them to be as woke as you are and it's (laughs) woke I hear that word a ton these days you know that's true I mean I just yeah that's what I feel like I feel like once I I think it, it for me it was like a light switch just flicked and it it hit me how possible everything was when did that happen that happened about a year ago oh pretty recent yeah it was pretty recent not and i became an entrepreneur three years ago but i spent the first two years doing everything for free Mm -hmm. yeah and i just just did everything for free because i thought that's what i was supposed to do And I just was like, I'm supposed to help people and this is what God gifted me with and I need to, you know, help as many people as possible and eventually it'll work out and I'll be successful. But I wasn't like putting money first. I put people first and then a year ago it kind of just started and I was like, oh, I see what's going to happen now. And so (laughs) it was amazing what happened and so... I don't, I can't even describe like the level of insanity that's happened just over this, honestly, just over this past like five months, it's been crazy, but it's something that I never, I never even realized was possible until the first time that I, I, um, I offered up that I was doing this retreat and I wanted to see if people would come to this retreat that I was hosting and I was going to teach them. I teach technology and automation, mm-hmm. um, into small businesses and how they can, you know, implement it to grow their business, save time, blah, blah, blah. And I've been doing it for so long for free, but I have this huge audience now, but I didn't know how serious they were about being my audience. You know what I mean? Sure. And then I said, okay, I'm going to host a retreat with 10 people and I put a thousand dollar price tag per person and it sold out in less than 24 hours. Nice. That's and awesome. That, I think that was the moment when I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? I just made more money in one day than I did in a year. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm starting to realize, and at this point, I've raised the price. I've doubled the price actually, and I'm expanding yeah. amount of people. And now the word is out, and I've got a content marketing manager documenting everything. She's walking around right now, taking pictures of me because this is what she does. Yeah. But yeah. But now it's to the point where I'm like realizing that I have this platform. And I can use it for so much good. And it's so exciting to be able to see if I, if you have a captive audience, like if you do the right thing with that, 
you mm-hmm. can so many people's lives. And so that's what I get to do now. And it's amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a story. <laughs> what a deal, man. You know, so where do podcasts play into this? You know, I, I saw your story on a site that a lot of people are seeing nowadays. And, um, and, uh, I think I reached out to you on there. That's where I saw you. Um, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. um, what was your reasoning for getting on there? You want to tell your story more often or? My reasoning was I joined a mastermind group because like I mentioned earlier, if you guys that are listening, if you're wondering how to get to these levels, I'm telling you self-education, just teach yourself, learn, surround mm-hmm. yourself with the right people. And I joined a mastermind group and I had never done that before, but I knew I needed to be around like-minded people that were smarter than me. <clears throat> if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. And so I joined this mastermind and they were the ones, Jody Krangle is in my mastermind group. Oh, I she, love Jody. She's yeah, been on the show. Yeah. She's in my group. So she was the one that was like, you need to get on spot, I guess, and you need to tell your story and you need to, you know, get out there because it'll help people. And I was like, I've never done that before. So <laughs> that's, you know, so now I'm kind of like embracing it because for a long time, I just didn't want to talk about it. I was like, it doesn't matter what my past is. That shouldn't define who I am and what my future is going to be. But now I'm realizing that it has nothing to do with me. I'm being selfish by not sharing because it can't yeah. help so many people. So yeah. So she got me on there and that's how we got connected. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I saw a post you put on there or something, just maybe like an introduction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as I tell everybody, I, it's not really important to me what the person does for a living. Mm-hmm. It's more of like their story, how they convey their story and yeah. just their energy, how they come across which is hard to do when you're just typing something and you're putting something out there. I felt very led to speaking to you, very led. And that's what I do with all of my guests. I just let that feeling take me and talk to people. And it's pretty amazing. I end up getting all these crazy stories <laughs> from this stuff, you know? Oh yeah. I've learned to just roll with it. Like I don't, I don't try to plan out anything. Like I just let no. God do what he's going to do. And I yep. just kind of accept what comes in my path and it's there for a reason. So you just got to let it rip. It was kind of yeah. like, and you were like, well, I don't know. Some of this is disturbing. And I'm like, no, 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 just, just let it rip, man. I'm like people, I think we censor ourselves too much in the sense of our story. Yeah. And sometimes we don't censor ourselves enough in our etiquette with people a lot of times. And I think the story is where the brutal honesty should come from and how bad it was, how good it was, whatever it is. Because people, I feel like there's this thing like we do as humans, we we keep certain things like, I can't talk about that. Oh, we got to keep this under wraps. People feel like they don't know what's going on because everybody's keeping certain things to themselves all the time. It's like people having a discussion about salaries and stuff. I never got that. Why people don't you never talk about that? I'm like, well, how do you know like what is good? <laughs> you know, and like you need to have discussions about things. You need to be honest about things. And so I'm like, just tell your story, man. I want to hear about the Cold Stone Creamery. I want to hear about that first day. You know, I'm like, look at you. Got emotional thinking about that. You yeah, know? I hadn't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> There's all these memories yeah. buried deep in your brain. And we put those things away. My goal on these podcasts is to bring those things up. People tell me all the time, we love hearing stuff like that. That makes it real to us, you know. I'll so, tell you 
something funny from the Cold Stone days. I got to hear it. So I um, I don't know if any of your listeners struggle with this, but I have a disorder called trichotillomania. Mm. And it's where it's it's a form of OCD. It's where you pull out your own hair. Okay. Okay. So for years, and I, I had this since I was like 13, 13 or 14, and I hid it for years because I did I thought I was the freak. I thought I was the only one. And I would have bald spots and I would hide, try to hide them yeah. and stuff. And then when I was an adult and the internet came around, I found out there were thousands of people with this problem. Mm. So, which I've, obviously you can see my hair. I've gotten a ton better now. Yeah, you got a lot of hair. <laughs> but I struggled with it really bad because it's a nervous thing. You just like, okay, whenever you're nervous. And, yeah. um, and so anyways, to break myself of the habit, I actually shaved my head completely bald. And I was at Coldstone at the time. And I forgot that we were about, it was almost September, and we were about to enter the Make-A-Wish season. Oh, my God. So let me just tell you, my Coldstone was in the top 10% of the Coldstones that got the biggest amount of stars on the wall because they all thought I had cancer. Oh, no. No, that's not what's happening. But I never said I did or anything, but they just immediately assumed that. They and assumed. so. It was kind of hilarious. I was like, oh, gosh. Like, but hey. This poor girl. Like, I know, I know. But all good things because it was, you know, the more money we raised, the more they went. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think about how, like, crazy your life has been? Like, yes, all the time. <laughs> like, what, what, what do you think about when you, like, reflect back on it, you know? I think how amazing it is that I never stopped. Because yeah. there's so many times that a lot of people would have just given up. And I don't know what it was that made me keep going, but I'm so glad I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you seem to be you seem to be pretty young still. I mean, so you're so young and to experience all that all those difficult things in such a short amount of time, relatively speaking. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely feel like I lived like three lifetimes in one. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting what your life will be like down the road 10 15 20 years from now yeah and how the rear view mirror looks about all that stuff you just talked about you know i definitely envision myself going into public speaking of some sort i want to you know i would like to be able to inspire people to get off their ass and yeah dreams and <laughs> yeah show them what's possible like that that would make me really happy so yeah I think podcasts are a great way to do it's a great way to enter into that these days. I mean, it's really changed the conversation on mm-hmm. how we tell stories <clears throat> because before the entry level was and it can be still but extremely high to do type of I mean, this is public speaking. It's going out to a lot of people. Yeah. And people are going to hear it, but now it's like everybody has a voice. We live in a world now where like everybody can have a voice like out there. And you can grow your voice if you're really persistent. And is it going to be a negative voice? Is it going to be a positive voice? You know, and it seems like you really want to tell your story. And and I don't know if you've done. Have you talked to other people about this on podcasts before? Um, just once. You're my second one. Have you told him with this level of detail? No, <laughs> no we. No, he was more of a business one. I wanted to talk about. Okay. <laughs> Mine's definitely not about business. <laughs> like, uh, I just love stories with people, you know, and the grittier, the more determination. And my job is to just get you to tell it in the most authentic way possible. You know, it's like, don't tell me your story in five minutes. 
you know. Yeah, sorry, I'm kind of new to this, so I'm like. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying it about you, but like, I think a lot of people want to tell their story. I get a lot of people asking me to be the platform for them to tell their story, especially now. I'm like, be honest, be raw. Like, I'm gonna ask about times, <laughs> you know, like. Just, yeah, I mean, just let it rip. If you're comfortable with yourself. I think self-acceptance is so huge. Like I don't have yeah. any, you know, I'm an open book because I'm not ashamed of anything in my past. And even if I have done things that I, for example, I used to have to steal money out of the tip jar at Coldstone just to get diapers. And mm. then I would replace it the next day with my next tip. You know what I'm saying? Like I, yeah. did, I did that tip switching thing quite a few times. And, <laughs> you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, but. <laughs> you were backed up you know I was backed against a wall yeah and so um but you know it made me it definitely made me who i am today <laughs> right and you stayed in that area still are you still close to where you grew up or no, i'm wanted by the cops in seven states no, <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i moved over to missouri because illinois has terrible um tax situations and they're just uh -huh. not, a, not a great state for business owners so yeah i moved to missouri and do you, I mean, do you ever go back to where you grew up? Occasionally. I don't really enjoy going back there. It seems like nothing's changed. And it you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a lot of small towns like I, that, you know? Yeah. I was like... Well, I actually live in a smaller town now. Oh. But oh. I live in Festus, Missouri. There's 10,000 people here. And where I grew up was also a small town. But it, this is like a different kind of small town. Like, that was like sad and, uh -huh. and it could just be my perception because my life was sad but here it's more like I chose to live here because this is like a safe small town and like the school district is amazing and um you can leave your door unlocked and everybody kind of knows each other and it's it's just a different kind of vibe I guess yeah so yeah I, I know I identify with that. I mean, I, I'm in a town in Blaine, Washington. It's 5,000 people. It's a very oh, okay. tiny town. Yeah. But it's also like right on the water. It's a beach town and it's like 35 minutes from Vancouver, BC, two hours from Seattle. So it's it's actually a really, like you would choose to live here. Like you would want right. to be here. Versus I've been to a lot of small towns all throughout the United States where yeah. you're like, how do you people live here? Live here? Yeah. <laughs> How does how does their people exist in this place? Like why haven't you left yet? Yeah. Right. It's yeah. it's really strange when you see kind of like a town that is just dying constantly. Yeah. And there's nobody infusing money into the town and it just feels like everybody's just waiting to die. You, you know. Should, you should Google Cairo, Illinois, C A I R O. Really? Read that story. It'll blow Isn't your mind. Isn't that bad? It's crazy. You've never read such a story. Just no. Google it and you'll just be blown is it, away. By it. Is it crazier than your story? <laughs> well, it's about the rise and fall of a town, but it's like, yeah, my family came from there actually, but it was going to be like the capital of the nation. And it's literally like you drive through it and it's like a horror movie now. I mean, it's crazy. Really? Read the story. Cairo, Illinois. Okay. I'm going to do that for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's all y'all read it. <laughs> all of y'all read it. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. So how does this affect like um, your daughter? We have other children now too, or? I have an, so my daughter's 11 now. Yeah. And I have a three-year-old little boy. Oh, nice. Yeah. You, you spread it out. You're way uh, in between. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I had to get my shit figured out first. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I you know. It, I did it right the second time around, you see. I waited until right. I was ready to have a kid. <laughs> right, right. And so your daughter, like, does she know your story? Well, she vaguely remembers because she was, we lived a poverty-stricken life, I would say, until she was about four. So yeah. she remembers bits and pieces, but she doesn't really, re she doesn't realize, like, how bad it was. Um, and then from the age of, like, five to eight, it was, to her, it was just normal. Like, and we were yeah. still paycheck to paycheck, but right. she didn't know that. And then, you know, now all I do is beat her in the head every day with what she can do with her life. And do you understand how big of a star you can be on TikTok if you just look at the analytics? Like we, just, oh my gosh, <laughs> we talk about, you know, just her, cause she's a, she's a competitive dancer. So she's um, okay. really into dance. And so that's kind of where her mind is right now. But, um, but she sees me and my, my boyfriend as well. We're both entrepreneurs. So she, all she yeah. knows now is that you don't, you know, check that box of like, oh, okay, I have a job. I'm on the conveyor belt. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do yeah. with my life. Like, she, I doubt she will ever work for someone because she's just like me. <laughs> she's just like you. She has your personality and everything. She's, kind of. she's definitely a mini me and she's very stubborn and she's very like, she has her own ideas about things. And I don't think she would take anyone seriously unless I told her or unless she like truly believed that they were smarter than her. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I got to get you on my uh, friend's podcast, Sean McCoy. He's he's a pretty amazing podcaster. He, he got into a lot of people were doing it a few years ago. And he like specializes in stories like yours. Like his whole podcast is called Come, come to the Table. So you, you chat with him, you come to the table with your story and it's real raw. I mean, some of the stuff he's had rivals like your stories. And uh, I think you would enjoy speaking with him. Just a great guy and really honest and open and kind. It's a good platform to tell your story, I think. Next time I'll be prepared, like, okay, I'm going to be crying, so I'll be bringing clean <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part, that you aren't prepared. Uh, that's I wasn't what, prepared today. <laughs> that's good. That's like, that's the sauce. You know, like, I, I'm an entrepreneur like yourself. You know, like, my podcast, though, was... Well, not intended to be part of that. It's just like my goodwill project. Mm -hmm. I enjoy having people tell their story to me. and But now it's like building into a larger project where mm -hmm. more people are hearing it. And I've learned this great lesson. And maybe you probably know this better than anybody. It's just, just keep going. Yeah. Just keep doing it. If you're consistent, you keep putting out something and you're smart about it, it just grows. And just don't lose faith in yourself. That's yeah. that's the main thing. If you believe that you really are capable of anything you put your mind to, if you actually believe that and don't just say it, yeah, there's nothing stopping you. You think a lot of people just say stuff, though? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good intention people out there, but they just say a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of people that are just, yeah, they're just talking the talk. But. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of talking. I My business partner and I always say, there's just a lot of talking going on, just... People tell you stuff, but they, they don't come through for you. They don't actually do the work part. I think that's the really difficult aspect um, of a lot of things in life. You got to do the work. Yeah. You got to hit cold stone, man. You got to get that cookie. Don't you want some? <laughs> I was always a coffee lovers only girl. Oh, that's good, too. That's <laughs> good. That's really delicious. Man, you're killing me in this. <laughs> now you're going to go get Cold Stone after this. <laughs> There's none out here, man. <laughs> it's like...
That, yeah, but you know what? But you guys have Dutch Bros, which is like the best yeah. coffee ever. And you have Cafe Rio, which is amazing. So Cafe Rio is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I wish Man. we had. <laughs> so interesting. I got to tell you, Courtney, you're amazing. Seriously. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure people tell you this, but tell you you're amazing. But I have to tell you it, you know, from my perspective. You're amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. I guarantee you, because I've seen it happen on my show, somebody is going to change their life. It's Good. going to be a thunderbolt in their existence. It's going to wake them up. And they're going to change they're because of you. Get woke. <laughs> they're going to get woke. Ah, so That's a whole nother subject. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, you know. You are so welcome. I hope it does help somebody. Honestly, just just keep going, man, and just believe in yourself. That's just keep thing. don't stop believing. This is a journey song here, okay? <laughs> believing. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will be in touch. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Darren. Have a good All day. Right. Bye. Bye. Now that cities are opening back up, there's a lot to look forward to. Good thing Amtrak has convenient downtown-to-downtown service with spacious, comfortable seats that take you and your loved ones to enjoy things like live sports, concerts, museums, plays, weddings, hair salons. Let me say that again. Hair salons. Small talk with strangers, going back to the office, that can wait. Ah, the city life. Just an Amtrak away. Find your route on the Amtrak app or on Amtrak.com. What does it take to uncover sustainable investments? It takes robust proprietary research, disciplined investment principles, and a commitment to responsibility. In short, it takes fidelity. Because when it comes to your portfolio and the world, no detail is too small. Fidelity. We bring clarity to sustainability. Visit fidelity.com sustainable to learn more. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC.